20,000 plus here, trying to be that sixth man. Kyrie sizing up Westbrook, fires a long one. Oh, the bottom video game again. Kyrie Irving, timeout, thunder. I can't take it anymore. Three-point game. Now the Cavs have to go 94 feet. Kevin Love down the floor for LeBron James on target. Turn, sends it. LeBron. Yeah! You gotta be kidding me! Life is about do-overs! Burning four precious seconds. Curry. They'll give you three. No! Rebound! Laurie Spates! the campus of Ohio University. It's a Logan in the Low Post podcast. Here's your host, Logan LaDuke. A big thank you to Connor Mills for the introduction. And of course, Noah Edwards for the beat behind Connor Mills. You can check out Noah at ned.beats on SoundCloud today. And of course, you just listened to the legendary voice of Fred McLeod, longtime Cleveland Cavaliers play-by-play broadcaster since 2006, passed away. A couple of weeks ago, I know the guys in this room with me are feeling that effect just as much as I am. And to welcome them in, of course, Fred would want us to keep going and talk basketball. It was a big love of his. So, Jacob Murray, Tyler Johnson back in the studio with me. Logan in the low post. We are back. We are revamped. We're ready to go. Boys, welcome in. Thanks for having me. I love coming on here. <laughs> Do you? Yeah, even though I'm a little under the weather right now, um, it's good to be on here. Basketball's right around the corner. Yeah. I cannot <laughs> wait, let me tell you. I, I, want it, I want it to be known that everybody is sick right now on the campus of Ohio University, and I think it stems from Jacob Murray. No, I don't know about that one. I think there might have been other people involved in this, but, yeah. you know, if you're going to blame me, that's fine. I is that fine? And, it, you know, it's interesting you bring up, we're talking basketball. Isn't that a little strange in a lot of ways? I mean, right now we're in the heart of football season. Uh, MLB playoffs are right around the corner. Still September. It, it, it's, it's still September, but... The offseason was pretty darn crazy. I mean, we got we have a power balance now in the NBA, which is really the most fair season we've seen in a while, where we've got out of that shadow of the Miami Heat, Miami Heat three, big three days, and yeah. the Golden State Warriors dynasty. Now it's just, okay, everybody's got a duo, and let's just see whose duo is better, right? Right. I mean, even the offseason, it seemed like that was a lot more entertaining than the actual season <laughs> that just happened, which is crazy to say, Yeah. since the Golden State Warriors did get taken out by the Raptors last year, but... Um, yeah, it should be interesting to talk about. People forgot the Toronto Raptors are the NBA champions. Yeah, that's <laughs> I, it's going to be tough to see them <laughs> try to repeat, yeah. but you know. When uh especially not not like what Siakam and Kyle Lowry, but and I guess that's their duo as we speak, but let, let's let's jump into the duos now. You got out west, you got the Lakers and you got the Clippers. The Battle of LA, a lot of people think that could be the Western Conference Finals matchup. You got Kawhi and PG versus LeBron and Anthony Davis. Who are some other duos you guys like? I mean, if I'm if I'm looking at it, of course, I think Houston's duo very good themselves. You got James Harden, Russell Westbrook. Um, I mean, you also that that is probably the duo that's right up there with the, both of the Los Angeles duos. If you're looking at it, I mean, and a duo that a lot of people think could also struggle if it doesn't come together. Correct. And I think the one thing everyone's been saying, you know, these guys, oh, are they going to fight over the basketball kind of thing? How are they going to get their triple doubles out there? But I think, in a way, the fact that they were in OKC will help them a little bit get together. I think this will still be a very good basketball team. Um, I think they will, even though people have been saying they won't mesh, I think they'll find a way to mesh on this season. 
Uh, I mean, you can go out to Utah. I mean, they made kind <laughs> yeah. of yeah, underrated trades. Nice yeah, moves the Mike Conley trade is a very nice one. I don't know if he's he's not as talented as a lot of the top guys, but he is a very good basketball player, um, and he will fit in very well with that kind of kind of a grit and grind identity out in Utah. They like to play defense. They it's like funny how Mike Conley once again is on a grit and grind on a grit and grind <laughs> team, correct? And I mean, I don't know if you put it's to me. It's a bit of a toss up the duo there. I mean, you could go Donovan Mitchell, Conley, Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, defensive player of the Boy, year. Boy, Bogdanovich, man. Bogdanovich is <laughs> Boy, there Bogdanovich. too. Boy, Bogdanovich. I got a nice little squad. The Jazz are one of those teams. I think they're a little sneaky good, even though they don't have one of those top duos like we just talked about. Um, other than that, I mean, looking around, I mean, you talked about Toronto. I guess they have their duo there too. <laughs> duo. Um, I want to talk a little bit about a team. Because in this crazy offseason, a team that didn't really do much, but I guess their duo would be uh, Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray, the Denver yep. Nuggets. They're just mm-hmm. getting older. That team's going to be another year wiser. Uh, Jokic is going to be an MVP candidate, hopefully. And, you know, they they could make some noise out west. Absolutely. I mean, you also talk about Dallas's big two. I mean, Porzingis, Luka, wherever he comes We haven't back. seen it yet. Yeah, <laughs> we haven't seen Luka that Dantich duo. Much like we haven't seen any of these duos, mm-hmm. but... I mean, Luka both Dantich. of them together could be very interesting. European-born. I mean, <laughs> it'll be nice to see them fit together. I think Dantich is on his way to being one of the best players in our league. He's right my now. favorite player. Yeah, he's... Do you know I got, his, you know I got my jersey yes. signed by Luka Dantich? <laughs> oh, you got, you got it signed by I got it signed by him, right on the number seven. There you I, also, I also got Trey Burke, because he's my favorite college player. <laughs> right. Uh, Trey, 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 Trey took my jersey, and he's like, this is my jersey. I don't care. So he signed with Black Sharpie in the navy blue part of the jersey. You cannot tell the true Burke signed <laughs> right, my jersey. Right. But. I mean, we even forget. I mean, CJ and Dame have been together CJ for a while Dame. out in Portland. Yes, everyone They're still very them. good. Um, I think that's a big part of that, too, with the guys like Jokic and Murray and CJ and Dame is the chemistry. A lot of these guys are coming together for the first time now, but Dame and CJ, Jokic and Murray, they've been together for a while now. That gives them a little bit of an advantage. So Absolutely. I saw this one tweet that fascinated me. <laughs> um, listen, D'Angelo Russell is a warrior. Golden State knocked out of the park there to get a return like they did with D'Angelo Russell. But this one person had this tweet, and he ranked the top five duos in the NBA. Guess who was number one, guys? Steph Curry and D'Angelo Russell <laughs> were the best duo in the NBA. You know he had number five? Trey Young and John Collins. And uh, let's see, I, I couldn't even tell you. Number two, I think he had Russ and Harden. Then he had uh, Kawhi and Paul George and LeBron and Anthony Davis. But, I mean, that doesn't make that much sense. And we, we talked about it a little bit before the show, me and Tyler. And, yes, Trey Young and John Collins, that's a good duo with five, you know, four or five years down the line when they couldn't start establishing themselves. But D'Lo and Steph Curry? I, I don't even think when everyone is healthy in the NBA, that's even the best duo on that team. It's got to be right. the Splash Brothers, Klay Thompson and Steph Curry. If you have to look at a duo for that team specifically, yeah. I mean – D'Lo's still got to fit in with them, too. And once Clay Thompson comes back, that might be interesting to see how that plays yep. out. Uh, I mean, Clay's big enough to play the small forward, but it'll be very interesting to see how they can all hold on to that one basketball together. Absolutely. I think for them, it's a little bit difficult. I think with Steph and Clay, they can play off ball so well, whereas D'Angelo is kind of the one that you think would need the ball more. So. I think it will be a little bit on Steph and Clay to adjust, whereas D'Angelo might just be able to come in and play his game. Absolutely. Absolutely. And a lot of these guys that we've talked about in their duos were ranked in the Sports Illustrated Top 100 players. There was a list for Sports Illustrated. There was a list for ESPN. ESPN didn't put rookies in their – or, I'm sorry, ESPN did put rank, rookies in their rankings. Sports Illustrated did not. I want to jump into Sports Illustrated first. Some surprising names at some, at some surprising numbers. Let's play a little uh, – 
too high, too low game right now, right? Kyle Kuzma, number 96. Is he the number 96 best player in the NBA? Is that too high or too low? Too low. That's way too low. Way, way too, low. too low. I think they are looking at how the Lakers struggled last year, and they're trying to seem like they're pinning it on him a little bit. But, right. I mean, that dysfunction with the Lakers team last year was a lot more than just him. He was the one shining piece that they were like, this is the guy we need to hold on to if we do trade away these players. Yeah, they refuse to put him in any deals. Exactly. Any deals. No, he should be higher up on this list. I think when he gets back this season, I think he's going to show everyone why he should be a little bit higher on Absolutely. this list. Agreed. Zach Levine at number 90. And, Tyler, I know you have a big problem with this because, one, Zach Levine should be higher than 90. We all know yes. this. He's probably a top yes. 40 player in the NBA. But it really comes down to where his teammates are ranked above him that you seem to have a problem with. Yeah. And rightly so. Laurie Markkinen is, what, 75? Yeah, 75, Laurie Markkinen. That, I like Laurie Markkinen. I think he's going to be a good, like, number two, like, to Levine. But he is not better than Levine. Thad Young, number seven. <laughs> that is... Come on, man, Thad Young. Thad Young is Consistent a solid... He's a veteran. solid <laughs> veteran. He's a good power forward. He is nowhere near better than Zach Levine. And the one... I like Otto Porter a lot. He, I, that year he had in Washington that got him that big deal, I was like, wow, okay, this dude, he can ball. 57 is just so high. It's insane. It, he, the disrespect they showed to Zach Levine on this list is insane. And I like a lot of these Bulls players on this list. I think they all deserve to be in the top 100, but it's just insane how they did it. Did Zach Levine so dirty? What I will say is that when the Bulls did bring over Otto Porter, they played a lot better basketball. Now, that's better. relative, of course. Like They didn't have a good season, but Otto Porter, a lot of people think you know, that $27 million contract is a little high, and yeah, it is, but you can see the effect he has on that team, so that's pretty darn cool. But Zach Levine at 90, Jacob. Yeah, I de- definitely don't think he should be that low on this list. I think when you look at an NBA player, especially in this day and age, the age of the big man is a little bit behind us at this point. Yeah. So the guards need to have a little bit more, I guess, leeway and say into how their team wins. Right. And I definitely think Zach Levine does that for the Bulls. Like you said, they did struggle a bit. And I think when once they got Otto Porter in that trade, in a way it kind of solidified their starting five in a yeah. way. Yeah. Because they kind of finally fit that piece. The small forward is a bit of a weakness for them. I mean, coming oh, yeah. into the year. So when they got that in there, I mean, they kind of solidified that. And I think coming into this year, uh, I mean, they – I'm not saying a playoff berth is imminent for the Bulls this year, but I can definitely though. see improvement. In I think it could be 8-9. I could see that for them. You know what? They're starting lineup. You're looking at a team of Chris Dunn, Zach Levine, Otto Porter, Laurie Markkinen, and Wendell Carter Jr. Kobe White about, off the bench. Kobe White off the bench. And, and, and he could start for all I know. I mean, and uh, who else? They got um, Sadoransky. Sadoransky. Tomas Sadoransky was a nice addition. Thad Young off the bench. Yes, Thad Young <laughs> is a solid bench player. He's not the 70th best player in the NBA. Um, but I want to look at some other numbers because, yes, Clay Thompson's ranked number 50 on their list, but they do have reason to do that. He's probably not going to play this season. If he does, it'll be late. It'll be maybe in the playoffs. Right. But then there's some names here. Julius Randle is the 79th best player in the NBA. But then they have Gordon Hayward, number 59, and they have Derek Favors at number 55. So I'm going to compare Randle and Favors, two guys that both play the power forward position. Julius Randle plays the power forward position much better than Derek Favors plays the power forward position. I think one thing, um, I will say that I agree with that statement. I think offensively, uh, by far, Julius Randle is much better than Derek Favors. 
But I think the one area that maybe you could say Julius Randle doesn't do as well is on the other end of the floor, on defense. And I think Derek Favors does that a little bit better. That's fair. But I, I don't think he should be higher on this list than Julius Randle. Julius Randle is like a 21-point-per-game, 9-rebound-a-game guy. And he's going to be... You got it right on the, uh, right the money. Did you do the research? 21-9-3. I got that off the top of my head. I'm pretty sure that's how I remembered <laughs> it. But anyway, I mean, he's on the Knicks now. I think he's... In a way, the focal point of that offense. He'll be the number one on that team, unless sure. RJ Barrett comes in there and also becomes the focal point. But I think it'll take him a little bit of time to get that. So you can see some monster numbers in the first couple of months for Randall. Um, I definitely think they did that wrong on that list. I, Gordon Hayward to me is is that guy who last year he came off such a devastating injury. I mean, I watched that game on uh, that opening night when he just it was awful to see that. And I think it does take a year for an injury like that, for a player to get back to where he once was. Mm-hmm. And I definitely think we'll see a much better Gordon Hayward, especially the fact that they traded out point guards. Kemba Walker's in there now. Kyrie Irving's gone. You know, He'll have the ball in his hands maybe a little bit more. We'll see more distributing from him. I think it'll be a much better season for Hayward. But, I mean, coming into the year, I would put Julius Randle ahead of him as well. I uh, With the Gordon Hayward situation, it's another guy because there's – I want to say Paul Millsap at 43. <laughs> yeah. That uh, They're going off a name basis, I feel, in that situation. And, you know, if Gordon returns to form this season, if he finds it, if he is even just half of the guy he was in Utah, right. like, this is a justified positioning. But just going off of, oh, that is Gordon Hayward, 59, I, I don't agree. And you guys do mention the fact that Kyrie's gone. Also Horford. And Horford is a guy that needs the ball in his hands more than a guy like Ennis Cantor, who they also traded in. So maybe there is opportunity there for Gordon Hayward to find his game a little bit more. I have one thing about the, the whole Paul Millsap thing. I think the name thing is good for that. I mean, you, you're right on that. I mean, I think he's a little higher than maybe he should be. But I think compared to how he is for that entire basketball team, he is very important to the Nuggets. I agree. He is a leader. He is on the defensive end. He makes up for what Jokic lacks at this point in his career. Yes. I think he's a little high on the list to begin with, but um, definitely a very important player for that team as well. I didn't want to make it seem like Millsap should be like no. 70 or something. I just thought 43 was a little too high, especially compared to some of the other guys in that area. And a big right. part of their ranking system is how important are they to their te- respective team. It's not all about your talent. And I'm sorry. I'm still just so upset about the Julius Randle being 79. Though. I, can't, I can't get over it. <laughs> but um, And then look at some other names here. Yeah, Boyan Bogdanovich, number 52. He had a great run with the Pacers, second half of the season. After Oladipo goes down, nobody thought Indiana was going to make the playoffs. He ends up averaging over 20 points per game, and they do. Tobias Harris, 49. Obviously, his role is much more decreased now in Philadelphia, a team that many think could come out of the Eastern Conference. We'll, we'll get into that in a little bit. Gary Harris right above him at 48. I guess that's where you kind of compare and contrast who really should be higher. But the one we did kind of talk about when we were looking over this list, D'Angelo Russell, number 44, coming off a career year with the Brooklyn Nets. He led them to the playoffs. Another one of those teams that, yes, they were on the brink of making the playoffs anyway, but no one was giving them a true fighting chance until D'Angelo got them to that spot. And right above him, Paul Millsap at 43. So obviously D'Angelo Russell is one we definitely need to talk about. Now with Golden State, Totally new role. He's not the man anymore. He's number two option. Could be number three when Klay Thompson returns. Some of you mentioned that this backcourt might not last the rest of the season. They might look to deal off D'Angelo, guys. I think D'Angelo... I think it's if they're going off the idea that D'Angelo is coming into a new system and a new, new role where he isn't the main guy, he has to play behind Steph Curry, he has to understand that he is the number two. I could see 
trying to put him lower. But the man just came off of a career year, like you said, and he, I feel like this is just slightly disrespectful. I think he should be a little higher, maybe like early 30s, late 20s. Especially when you rank point guards, Jacob. They got Kyle Lowry at 28. They have Mike Conley at 26. Now, granted, I'm all for Mike Conley getting the due diligence that he deserves. He's always been an underrated point guard in this league. But when you look at D'Angelo Russell, you look at Kyle Lowry, you look at Mike Conley, who are you taking out of those three? I would definitely put D'Angelo above those two. Here's my – because I have a little bit of issue with him going to Golden State. This is the only uh oh. So this is what this is just my opinion because I, I saw a stat on this. They already in know we're Cleveland fans. Up. They already know we're no, no, Cleveland no, no, no. fans. Not on that. Not <laughs> in any way that way. I just don't know how he would fit in the Golden State offense for the reason being in Brooklyn they were one of the top pick and roll teams in the league. They ran pick and roll, pick and roll, pick and roll with D'Angelo. You know, Jared Allen rolls to the rim. Mm-hmm. You got maybe someone else rolling to the rim. Rondé Hollis Jefferson yeah, right. went to the Raptors. Different guys like that. But on Golden State, they do not run pick and roll plays like that. I mean, you know Golden State. Their ball movement, they like guys running off ball screens, off ball screens like that. But it's not the pick and roll, like, you know, dish it back. They'll do pick and pop with Draymond, yeah. Right. But that's just my issue is how he'll fit with this. And I bet Steve Kerr will definitely have a little bit of a different offensive mindset going in with D'Angelo and Curry. But once Thompson comes back and they got to kind of, you know, go back to the – a warrior way of basketball, which has worked for them before, how will D'Angelo kind of fit into that at that point? So I definitely think he's a much better point guard than on this ranking, but I think looking at his fit in Golden State is a little bit murky at this point. I also, I could see Golden State, I'm not going to say that they completely changed their system, but they brought in, they uh, have uh, Kayvon Looney still, they brought in Willie Cauley-Stein. There's a good chance that they could run more pick and roll. Like, I, I can see that. Right. A good point. big, uh, a larger part of their offense, especially without Klay Thompson. So, they, and they do have to get D'Angelo comfortable. So, running sets that he's used to, like, for the first few months as he gets oriented or gets um, integrated into the system could be helpful. I just think another problem with, I think where he's at in his career, he should be on his own team, like building himself up. And right now being thrown onto a team where he's clearly the second option right now, and maybe the third once Thompson comes back, he needs the ball in his hands to you know, be very effective. And right. you know late in that game, they're not going to be like, D'Angelo, you take it. They're going to look to their guy that they've been doing yeah. it for years with, <laughs> Steph Curry. I mean, they're not going to just all of a sudden flip it to him. No. So no. I just think it's it's kind of like at this point in his career, he's very young. He's still growing into the player that many of us thought he would be. Um, and, I mean, I think it, they'll make it work in Golden State. Don't get me wrong on that. Yeah. But it's just one of those things where Steve Kerr fit, has a way of putting those pieces together. Right. He made JaVale McGee work on the Golden State Warriors. And now look what he's doing. I mean, with man. the Lakers, he mm-hmm. is considered a good big man. Right. He's the starting center. So I definitely think they'll make it work. I just think there are some things they have to work out once the season starts. Some other names. Kevin Love at 41. Victor Lipo at 39. Maybe he'll think it might be due to the injury and how he comes back. That's up for discussion you know, at a later podcast when we see what Oladipo comes back at that spot. But Blake Griffin at 19 is only interesting to me because Al Horford is at 18. <laughs> uh, Draymond Green is at 17, so three straight big men right there. But, Tyler, you mentioned that Draymond is tough to rank. Yeah, Draymond, it's, he's just one of those guys, obviously, and it's been talked about just time and time again, his impact doesn't really always show up in the stat sheet. There will be times where he'll drop 
almost a quadruple double. But right. like he his impact is as a leader, as a defensive glue guy, and just a, a facilitator. Like he is probably, arguably, you could say uh, best facilitator on the team. Are at definitely top two with yeah. him and Steph on the team. So like, yeah, his his emphasis, his uh, impact isn't always measured, so that's, it's always difficult to just, when you make these type of lists, where you want to put them. Um, Blake Griffin, if the Pistons are a higher seed in the Eastern Conference, he was a borderline MVP candidate last year. You're talking about like career numbers, especially three-point shooting. He's throwing up seven attempts a game suddenly. <laughs> uh, that's something he never did in his first five, six years in the league, and you know he's really re- revolutionized his game and really made himself an effective player. I think he's personally a top-ten player in the league. He's at 19 on this list. And then Horford at 18... I, I'm just trying to understand that Al Horford ranking right now. I mean, I understand how important he is to a team. He's a defensive anchor. He can pick and pop now. He's really also revolutionized his game and, you know, understood that the NBA is changing. He needed to change as well. So props on him for that. But he's like the 30th best player in the NBA. He's not number 18. But, I mean, my thing, you just talked about Blake Griffin. He should be in front of, in my opinion, in front of both of those players. I yeah. agree. You take him off that Pistons team, they are not sniffing the playoffs. No. Not even close. They're, one, they're one of the worst teams in the league without him. And they, he was on one leg in that playoff series against the Bucks. Yeah. And when he played in Game Three, they were competitive. Yeah. Until they were competitive he in Game Four for the first half. I right. mean, they're right there. This he has, like you said, he's revolutionized his game. As he's lost that athleticism, he's gained the ability to pass the ball. He's having close to five assists. For a big man, that's very good. I mean, he scores up to 24 a game as well. I mean, he's what makes the Pistons team run. It'll be very interesting to see him and uh, Derrick Rose work it out together there. Yeah. Um, I I mean, he should be higher on this list for me. He's much too important to his team, more so than Draymond and Al Horford, because I think if both of them have a bad night scoring, their team will be fine because they have other guys who can do it. But if Blake Griffin scores like – 12 points in a game, there's no way the Pistons are You hope Drum- Drummond gets 20, That's what you besides hope. that, it's like... But like other than that, I, I just think he's much more important, like you said, I mean, borderline MVP candidate last year, and he should definitely be in front of some of these players uh, in front of him on the list. And the top three players, <laughs> the final segment here of the top 100 players in the Sports Illustrated issue, LeBron James, number three, Kawhi Leonard, number two, Giannis Antetokounmpo, the best player in the NBA, as he was last year, he deservedly won the MVP award. However, here's the issues I have: Kawhi Leonard exposed Giannis Antetokounmpo in the playoffs. He proved he could not shoot a jump shot yet, at least at a consistent rate. LeBron James at number three is simply because he didn't make the playoffs. Make no mistake about it: LeBron James is still the best player in the NBA. However, in my ranking, I go Giannis at three, LeBron at two, Kawhi at one, simply because Kawhi. What he did this season literally changed the NBA. And not Steph Curry shooting 400 threes changed how, how valuable a three-pointer is, or LeBron James driving and dunking all the time and having to understand how to defend that. He changed the game in that we finally have a balanced NBA. That's how good he was and was able to pull out a the first-ever championship in Toronto Raptors franchise history. So um, I'm going Kawhi 1, LeBron 2, Giannis 3. Tyler. I agree with you. I believe that LeBron... Make no mistake about it, is still the best player in the league until something should. I am shown otherwise. But based off the season that Kawhi had last year and just what he was able to do, and also take into consideration that LeBron did miss 
a large amount of time. Fifty five games, a career low. He he That's, played last year. That was the most. Yeah, like you said, most in his career, and you take that into account, uh, and just what Kawhi was able to do um, with that uh, Toronto team, just overall the get them to the finals, the that game Shot setting against Philly, that game setting wow. against Philadelphia. I I agree that he should be number one, LeBron number two, Giannis number three. I'm a Giannis stan. Don't get any mistakes. He's got a jersey hanging in his closet. I got a jersey way, right? and a shirt with the pronunciation <laughs> on it, but Giannis. Third best player in the league for me. And, uh, Jacob, I mean, another thing you could talk about, Kawhi Leonard's defense. A lot of people thought that LeBron really fell off defensively last year. And to, to, unfortunately, I mean, like, I'm a LeBron fan. I'm never going to trash the guy. But he did falter a little bit on defense. He got a little lazy at some point. Sometimes he was taken off down the floor for a fast break that wasn't even created yet. They didn't even get the stop yet. Kawhi Leonard is the one guy in the NBA that can stop LeBron. He's the one guy that can stop Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, obviously, we didn't get to see him as much on Kevin Durant in the finals, but we know also what Kawhi's done to Durant in the past, frustrating him. So defense has to be taken into account for sure. Right. I mean, when I look at this, I also have a Giannis jersey in my closet, <laughs> but I do not think he should be number one on this list for the simple fact that he has not gotten that jump shot down yet yeah. to a consistent clip. I mean, you talked about it. Kawhi exposed him in the conference finals. Everyone was ready to be like, oh, this is clearly the best player in the league. Pronounce him. He's going to the finals, you know, blah, blah, blah. But then Kawhi was like, watch this. He can't shoot. So, like, right. you stop him at the top, and then all they did was put three big men down low, put their hands up, and he can't get to the rack at all. So he gotta, he's got to try and create something, and he just can't. What I will say is Giannis even was the first one to admit that Kawhi was able to stop him. Correct. And I'm, he said he was going to get in the gym and work, and if there's one guy – who is dedicated to his craft and is going to come back and respond and show that, oh, no, I'm still the MVP, it's Giannis. Right. And personally, in my opinion, I didn't think he should have won MVP. But that's just me. I, uh, Jacob, you can the, you leave the studio now. I'm sorry. <laughs> but the way, the, with Harden's scoring numbers, I felt like he deserved a little more. But that's just me. And I understand they weren't very high. You can you can disagree with me all you I'm want. I'm going to sigh all, right, all I want right now. But okay. the only thing I understand with his team, Giannis is the only reason that team is as good as it is. They have very good pieces around him, but not to the caliber of like a duo. Because you can say him and Chris Middleton are that, but Middleton does not match up to a Paul George. No. Giannis or, doesn't have a true number two. Exactly. And and I understand why they're, they're like, oh, you know, he was the MVP and all that. But LeBron James is a bad man. <laughs> that that dude has been hearing all the chatter all he's been sitting back he's been and just sitting waiting. back relaxing taco Tuesday <laughs> he is ready to come out and ball out with ad by his side this year absolutely I I agree with what you said I think he is the best player in the league still until proven otherwise and until I see that like he definitely is getting older I will not take that away from him I do I, when I'm thinking about my rankings now, I probably would do what you did as well. I think I'd put Kawhi number one because uh, the one stat that gets me is that he has taken down now two dynasties. <laughs> he has. The Golden State He's dynasty. He's done this twice. And the Miami Heat dynasty <laughs> with LeBron killer. James. Dynasty killer. <laughs> I mean, he was, as you say, incredible. My one thing against him and his team, when he didn't play last year, which, by the way, he only played five more games than LeBron. Mm-hmm. So he was load managing throughout the year. And in those games, I mean, they had an above 500 record. They were they were still very competitive in the games that he didn't play. Toronto's still probably going to make the playoffs. Yeah, wow. he had a very good team around him. And I think the fact that Siakam took a step forward last year made the Raptors kind of go, you know what, we could probably still run the same guys out there and get to the playoffs and maybe push, you know, 
to a, a series or two. But um, Kawhi, like you said, on the defensive end and offensive end, I mean, it was just incredible. He's the most complete player in the Exactly. NBA. I mean, yes. the killer instinct in him in those finals when it seemed like Golden State was making their, you know, their third quarter run. Yeah. And, like, he would come down. I think it was in game – it was either four or five. I don't game remember. five when he really yeah. just took when over, he just scored took ten over. straight points. Correct. Yeah. And like, right and that, then and there, I was like, crown surround of the champion. In, his, in that amazing. third quarter, he went down the floor, he shot a three, he killed it, and then right away, right after that, did another one. So, like, he's got that instinct in him. I do yeah. think right now he's the best in the league because he can play both sides very effectively. Yeah. And with LeBron at, his, at the age that he's at, I mean, he's trying to conserve it for yeah. the offensive yeah. end, and I get that. So that's probably the Kawhi number one. I put LeBron number two and Giannis number three, in my opinion. And these questions will, of course, be answered. I mean, we're going to see Kawhi versus LeBron a lot this year. Opening I mean, night. Opening night, we'll see it. He'll see it four times throughout the season and potentially seven more times in the playoffs <laughs> if, if we're lucky, right? We all want to see that. Boys, I'm going to keep you both here. We're going to talk about East and West together. Um, Eastern Conference, we have a lot of uh, turnaround, a lot of, lot, of, lot of free agents going every which way. Um, but also with rookies, the Cleveland Cavaliers, just because we're a Cleveland-based, you know, for the most part, Athens-based or Ohio-based yeah. show here, I want to talk about the Cleveland Cavaliers a little bit. We mentioned how the Warriors have a backcourt of D'Angelo Russell and Steph Curry, two point guards. Cavaliers now have Darius Garland and Colin Sexton. Um, I was iffy about it. I thought they were going to go Cam Reddish at five was my personal opinion. I thought they were going to go with a lanky uh, forward on the wings that can defend and also shoot the three. Um, they go with Darius Garland, who is probably the better, best prospect at number five. Tyler, Jacob, you guys have thoughts first on that? Uh, I, I like it. I think it took me a second to decide if I liked it, but I think I like it. I think they play very similar games, but I think that you could develop them together. You could have them play well together. I think for the Cavs. It's going to take – they're going to have to get all their young guys out there. I think this is the season that they finally have to pull the trigger on trading Kevin Love. I think that – I I think something also that I really enjoyed was uh, the drafting of uh, Kevin Porter. I think that was steal. a steal. Yeah. I think that was a major steal. I think if you get him – you get him out there right away, you get him touches right away – he could turn into something big for you. So I, I like the, the direction that this Cavaliers team is going in right now. And I just want to throw it out. I played NBA 2K a couple weeks ago. I, I had the roster together. You know, I want to rebuild them and make them into a franchise again. Traded Kevin Love. Got Drew Holiday. Traded Colin Sexton. Got a healthy DeMarcus Cousins. Because, of course, in 2K, I played <laughs> with injuries off. I mean, I, there's too many injuries in that game. And we ended up making the playoffs, and now we're looking at finals. I just want to say that, all right? So <laughs> I think the Cavaliers did just fine. I, I think Darius Garland, I think <laughs> it could happen. Uh, Darius Garland could be the next Damian Lillard. A lot of people say that. I, I, I can definitely see that. They're very similar players. In fact, that's his favorite player. Garland's favorite player is Damian Lillard. But um, the Cavaliers, they're still going to be a bottom feeder in the Eastern Conference. I do like that they have this youth movement going now. Um, but then if you look at the top of the East, though, Brooklyn Nets. They made some moves this offseason, Jacob. Right, yeah. They, of course, brought in Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. Uh, so, Oh, I'm even, sorry, DeAndre Jordan? And DeAndre, <laughs> I mean, of course, they. Th- that was Wasn't the consolation. That That's what though? they had to bring in, That's DeAndre not, Jordan, yeah, to get the other two. The, the, this summer, I was sitting there. Uh, I was the public address announcer for the Southern Ohio Conference this offseason. Offseason. <laughs> it was in-season for me. I get a notification saying, K- 
Kevin Durant signs with the Brooklyn Nets, and I'm going nuts, right? You know, I'm going crazy. I'm like, Kyrie and him together, and all of a sudden, DeAndre Jordan pops up, and they had media day the other day. Apparently, it all came together at 5 a.m. in the morning between these three. And before you go into the Brooklyn Nets thing, uh, I just want to touch real quick, and this was something that Stephen A. Smith had touched on in the summer when it happened. DeAndre Jordan, if that was the guy that, if this, this isn't happening without DeAndre Jordan, the Knicks had him on their roster, and they just did not play him at all. And you, in the offseason, want to go out and get Kyrie, get Kevin Durant, and you don't treat a guy that they both are Good like, point. this is who we want. You don't treat him um, with the respect that he feels like he should be getting. Like, that, mm, that's kind of bad on you, New York. I mean, of course, bring in DeAndre Jordan as well. But, in my, <laughs> I mean, you already have the good center in Jared Allen anyway. So. Yeah. I don't really know. I bet you they're going to start him to begin the year, but I think as the season goes on, you're going to see Jared Allen get in there more. Just because I feel like at this point in both of their careers, Jared Allen's just a little bit better on defense than DeAndre is. Um, but, I mean, when Kevin Durant gets back healthy for next year, I mean, look out. I mean, you're talking about a whole year of Kyrie Irving being the man. I mean, he's going to gain confidence in doing that. And, and it's not like he doesn't have bad players around him. Right. Harris, Harris Levert, Spencer Dinwiddie, Joe, Joe Harris had a very Joe good Harris. USA campaign. Torian Prince off the bench. Torian Prince. Right. Torian Prince is an I mean, you don't even have to say, Durant, you have to carry us back there. I mean, you have Kyrie there who's already been there and done that the year before. Yeah. So I definitely think even next year, I, even if Durant gets off to a slow start because he's coming back off that horrible injury that he suffered, I still think this will be a very good basketball team in next year from now. I mean, you could talk about probably a finals appearance, possibly. But when you're looking at this season right now, I still think this is a very good team, especially with Kyrie Irving and the pieces you just touched on. Um, it'll be very interesting to see because Kyrie Irving left the Celtics because <laughs> there were young guys that he couldn't lead at first. Yeah. And now he's coming to a team with young guys who you have to do the same thing with. But, I but think also has playoff experience. Correct. And, and I think he's kind of learned from that experience to bringing it here, and I think it'll go much better here in Brooklyn. So, oh. I mean, one, one thing about uh, – you touched on the Cleveland thing. I just wanted to say my thing about the Cleveland thing. You brought up Damian Lillard. That's the first thing I thought of when they drafted Garland. They're trying yeah. to be a Portland. And I, I – personally, I kind of agree with you. I think they should have gotten um, Cam Reddish out of Duke as well. I also agree with that. But – but, <laughs> But I kind of like the idea of having that backcourt in a way. I mean, the scoring backcourt like that, it works out in Portland. It got into a conference finals last year when you put the right pieces around them. I think you hold on to Kevin Love. You see how it's going this year. If you're dead set on he's not going to be in our future couple years down the line playing, you, you deal him off at the deadline or whenever you do that, maybe even in the summer. But I think you see how he plays with the other two young guys because you can possibly have a big man, two-guard duo right there. I mean – when you look at it, even as he ages, they're going to get better and better. Yeah. So it's just kind of that thing. I, I also think they should trade him at some point, but I would also want to see how that works at first. That's I'm sorry, Jacob. I didn't go to you for the, your Cleveland Cavaliers talk. I kind of skipped That's over That's why I had to come in and talk about it because you had to skip over. I felt bad. I was like, well, wait a minute. <laughs> I forgot something there. <laughs> I just wanted to go back to Brooklyn real quick, and I want to ask both of you this. So we all agree that Brooklyn, even without Kevin Durant, they're still a playoff team. But my question is, how high do you think they can go this season without KB? Six, maybe? Six seed? I would say middle of the pack in the conference. Depends. Is Kyrie Irving really the leader we think? I mean, a lot of people think that Kemba Walker in Boston, they're going to be better with Walker because they think he's a better leader. And to his credit, he has proven that he can lead a team. He's 
led Charlotte to a couple of playoff appearances, and those weren't exactly great Charlotte teams that he was leading. Yeah. He also hasn't been given much help. I mean, they haven't drafted very well in the past. Michael Gilchrist is one guy you can look at for sure. That guy fell off the planet. Um, but, yeah, I think number six is reasonable for Brooklyn. As far as teams that actually could make the top of the Eastern Conference, though, who do you guys like out of the Eastern Conference? I personally am going Philly. I, I and, like- and, and we, we, We've tried doing playoff predictions in the past in this show. And we look at it at the end of the year, and we're like, God, we're stupid. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're really dumb. It doesn't work. <laughs> it doesn't work. So I figure, let's just look at who do you like out of the East, plain and simple. I like Milwaukee. You like Milwaukee still? Okay. I like Milwaukee. I mean, looking at it top to bottom, I mean, you, Philly just, the way that they piece that team together right now, I think they do still have a shot of getting out of the conference. I, that's who I would pick at this very moment when the games have not started yet. Mm-hmm. Because just on paper, that starting five is the best in the league. I mean, it, it could it could be possibly one of the best in the league. I haven't. Some people think Josh Richardson is a better fit than Jimmy Butler too. I mean, which like, in a way, just... which in a way he could. But I think the one issue that runs into Philadelphia, especially in the playoffs, is having Ben Simmons and Embiid on the floor. Yeah, and same Horford. Time. And that's Horford. a lot of that's a lot of meat out there. And, on and the yes, floor. Horford can shoot it. Ben Simmons right now cannot shoot it. No. Embiid streaky. When he yeah. shoot, but he can definitely shoot it too, so I think that's a little bit of an issue coming. They lost JJ Redick, and that's losing a shooter, which is what <laughs> they need. And I think bench depth is another thing that's a bit of an issue for them. But um, I, on paper, they are definitely the best team in the conference. Yeah, I think part of the reason why I would go Milwaukee over Philadelphia is something that you just touched on was is the bench depth. Milwaukee is pretty deep. They have um, I like George Hill. A lot off their bench. He played very well for them last year. Uh, who's it? There's uh, like another guy, and I can't think of him off the top of my from head. Milwaukee. Yeah, off their bench. Off their bench, Sterling Brown, uh, Pat Connaughton. I do. I like him. Yeah, that's. I think that might have been him. But <laughs> Pat Connaughton. He. Uh, he's just another guy who just fills a role for them. Where he's yeah. like, he's just another guy off their bench who can come in and provide good minutes. And I do like. Brooke Lopez, I think you talked. We talked earlier about big men uh, adapting to the changing league. Brooke Lopez is another guy, Splash Mountain. He's out there. He's making those streets rain. So, you know, <laughs> Brooke Lopez bringing A seven him, foot Clay Thompson. <laughs> bringing him back was big. Bringing back Middleton was big. A lot of people didn't like the contract that he got back, uh, brought back on. But you know, he's the closest thing to a number two that Giannis had, and bringing him back was key. So. I think overall they were able to bring back the core. Ma- losing Malcolm Brogdon hurts, but... Bringing Wesley Matthews. Wesley Matthews, yeah. Alleviates the damage a little bit. But <clears throat> I, overall, I still like Milwaukee over Philly just for the fact that I think they're deeper. All right, and because we're already running on 37 minutes here. Remember when I was talking to you guys <laughs> before the podcast? I said 25 to 30 is where I want, <laughs> where I want to aim. We're at 37. We haven't really talked much, West. We'll, we'll shorten it up a little bit, but I want to head to the Western Conference real quick. Zion Williamson I also want to talk about. ESPN had a ranking system much similar to Sports Illustrated, the top 100 players in the NBA. They included rookies. And they had Zion Williamson number 41, was it? 41 best? 40, yeah, 41, 42. 41, like 42. They had John Morant higher, like, is like lower than that, but like 80-something. Yeah. Um, what do you guys takes on rookies being included in a ranking system like that? Let's start with you, Jacob. To be honest, I would not put rookies in there. Just no. because of the fact that they have not touched an NBA floor yet. They have not proven anything at this point. And I'm not trying to say, like, 
we know Zion's coming in. He was great in college. He was, you know, John Moran was great as well, but they have not touched an NBA floor. They have not lined up against the greatest players in the world yet. So you cannot tell me for a fact that he is above any NBA player at this point. I mean, of course you can say, talent-wise, he's better than some of them. You can yeah. say that. But there's no way, since he has not stepped foot yet on the floor, the fact that he was ahead of Klay Thompson, even <laughs> though Klay Thompson is injured, and I get that, is um, is not right. That's not right. Klay Thompson is by far better than Zion Williamson at this point. Um, but I think you have to have these rookies play the games first before you can truly rank them mm-hmm. um, anywhere in a, in a player ranking. I agree. I just... Zion, I mean, Zion's another guy where it's like, it's so obvious that he will be good. And I understand, like, oh, Zion hype, you know, get excited, get excited, get excited. But he hasn't proven anything yet. Ja has not proven anything yet. I just, like you said, I need to see them in action against actual NBA talent. Like, I need to see Ja Morant go up against Patrick Beverly. I need to see Zion take on a guy like... um, Draymond Green in the post. Like I need to see I need to see them against these hard heavy hitters before I can say anything about them being in the top 100. Boys, now they're entering minute number 40 here of the podcast. I want to hit you with some quick hitters for the Western Conference, okay? I'm going to say what I'm going to say. With Jacob and Tyler, you guys are just going to give me yes or no or however however you want to piece together the question and we're going to go from there. Utah Jazz, they a top 3 seed in the Western Conference. Right now, looking at it, I would say no. I would say they are falling more in the four and five range, in my opinion. Okay. But um, I, I just don't think they can make the top three with how deep this conference is. And you go on one little losing streak this year, I mean, they're going to fall from like one to five. You know what I mean? Like, it's going to be so competitive throughout that I just don't see them as a top three. Tyler? I also would put them around four or five. I think that they are good. I think they could, but... I think that just the the West is so top heavy that somebody's gonna fall out of the top three, and Utah is one of those teams that just missed the mark by slight hair. I think unless Donovan Mitchell takes a huge step forward and becomes a top ten or top five NBA player, I don't think they're top three. That's Boys, Lakers or Clippers? I will go with the Lakers because I feel like they have the best duo in the NBA at this point in LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And it's very interesting to see because, I mean, the last time LeBron had a big man as one of his, you know, co-stars, he had Kevin Love, and then he also had Chris Bosh, and those guys were kind of, you know, catch-and-shoot guys. But this is a different animal. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Anthony Davis is a, is a monster. I mean, PER-wise, he's right up there with LeBron every year. I definitely think that's the best duo. They put shooters around him, too. I think they could be very competitive. They, they have to be, in my opinion, the top of the two teams. Tyler. I'm gonna go Clippers. Uh, and I f- all right. Anyway, guys. So <laughs> <laughs> I just feel, and this is another situation where I like death over yeah. top heavy talent. I like that they can bring out a guy like Zubak and then Montrez Harrell off the bench, Lou Will off the bench. Uh, you got a guy like Landry Shaman who's gonna probably play a good minutes for him. Pat Bev. There, there's the talent around Paul George and Kawhi is insane. And defensively, you could have either of those guys on your best player. And that is a luxury that no other team in the league has. Were the Denver Nuggets a one-hit wonder? And what I, I mean by that, they can make the playoffs, 
But are they that top three, top two seed right now in the West? I do not think they are a one-hit wonder because of Nikola Jokic. I okay. think he is in my he is the best big man passer I have seen in a while. I mean, the fact that you can tell this man run a play and he can run the play like a point guard would is incredible to me. And I mean, you're talking about this team was young anyway. They're getting another year of experience. They're getting better too. You add on, I mean, they got Bol Bol with like the 30-something <laughs> pick. If you get anything out of him. Michael Porter Jr. Michael, Michael Porter, Porter Jr. is coming Jr. back too. I mean, you get anything out of those young guys. I mean, this is still a very good team. Yeah. On offense, they're great. On defense, they were good in the regular season. But once it came to the playoffs, it was a bit of a struggle. So if they can take that kind of step forward when they get into the postseason, I definitely think this is not a one-hit wonder. I agree. I want to see them step up defensively. I want to see them uh, just find – I need someone besides Paul Millsap to be a, a reliable, consistent guy on defense. But this is – I think this is a top three seed in the West. I like Jokic. I think he has a borderline MVP season pot. I think he he might be my front runner right now. But, you know, whatever. He – I, I like the team a lot. I think Denver, not a one-hit wonder. There's a team in California, guys, that has not seen the playoffs in quite a while. In fact, they hold the current record for most years missing the playoffs. The Sacramento Kings, is this the year they can make the playoffs? I I am going to go with no. The safe answer, right? For now, I'm going to go with no. And that's just because I just counted off the screen here. I rattled off eight teams who I'm like, yep, 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 yep. They should make the playoffs. And I, the one that was iffy on me was San Antonio, just because at this point, Greg Popovich is the greatest coach still in this game. But the talent on his team is not up to par with the rest of the league at this point. And they do have they do have Derek White, and they do have guys like that who are young and they're getting better as well. But I just think there's two with De- DeMar DeRozan and LaMarcus Aldridge still there. Unless I see a step off from them, they're going to make the playoffs too. Yeah. So it's gonna be it's gonna be a fight for that eight seed, and I think the Kings are gonna be that team that's right right there with them. But losing Willie Colley Stein might hurt a little bit for them, especially since he was their you know their pick and roll guy, the defensive guy on the other end. Um, so, but for now, I would go with no. That'd be my safe answer. I'm gonna make this a little quick. There are seven teams in the league uh, in the West that I like in no particular order. Both LA teams: Golden State, Utah, Houston, uh, Denver, Portland. Those are teams I think are safe. The one team, like you mentioned, is San Antonio. I don't like to bet against Pop. I don't. I think it is just blasphemous. So I will take San Antonio over Sacramento. But I like De'Aaron Fox a lot. I like Buddy Hield a lot. I think Mar- Marvin Bagley is going to have a sensational sophomore year. I like that core for the future. That team in like two, three years, watch out for them. All right, boys. One thing we didn't get to talk about on this podcast and it's because Dylan Gimmel was a late <laughs> scratch. I want to talk some Pistons. We didn't really get a chance. We're going to save that for Gimmel. Hopefully, he'll be in higher spirits next week. He's, of course, a little upset about the Lions game against the Chiefs. And shoot, I would be too. The Lions had that 1-1. A few, game, a few plays there <laughs> down the stretch could have really changed the outcome of that game. We watched the Browns today. Browns got a dub. Browns got a dub. The Indians missed the playoffs. That's sad. Indians missed the playoffs. Uh, so that's what's going on in Cleveland right now. That's the mindset. But, hey, the Cavaliers are on the rise, right? Here we come. Mm, yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, All right, folks. Well, thanks for tuning in to the Logan and the Low Post podcast. Episode 2 will be right back on Sunday. Hoping for some new guests. Not that you guys are bad or anything. And maybe some returning guests as well and Jacob and Tyler. But for Jacob Murray, for Tyler Johnson, this is Logan Duke saying so long. And we'll see you next week for Episode 2 of Logan and the Low Post.